0: for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. So how about them bullets, huh?
1: Yeah, Yeah, right? No, I'm not a hockey fan. Um, It's a sports ball thing, if you're not into sports. Um, But it's not a ball, so it's a sports puck thing, I guess. Oh, man, it's, it's great to live where we win a lot, right? I Actually, it's great to live, live where you win a lot, because I'm from New England, and we win a lot there, too. But um, we don't need to go there right now. My name's Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's so, really, it's great to be here. We're continuing this series called Mastermind, because we really believe uh, if you can begin to master your thoughts, if you can begin to control your thinking, it really can change your life. You have massive impacts on your life. Uh, the, the problem is, so many of us, we, we feel like we're kind of out of control in our thinking, We feel like thinking is something that happens to us. Our thoughts are something that happen to us. Again, we say things like, my thoughts just got away from me. I got lost in my thoughts, right? And one of the things that we're most, uh, one of the things we have that's the most powerful of our thinking, our brain, we feel powerless to control, right? And even for some of us, the issue is uh, we have some ideas that originate in our brains, but also we have ideas that start out there and then creep their way in here, right? Like if you're ever watching TV and you see all these commercials, You see things, and it's so funny. You watch these commercials where there's, like, a product to solve a problem, and it's, like, the person can't open, like, the jar of pickles, and it's, like, all black and white, and, like, uh, or the person, like, the blanket's on their shoulders, and, like, the blanket's falling off, and, like, they can't do anything, and life is horrible, and, like, everything's going sideways, and then it's, like, a Snuggie, like, put your hands through the blanket, and, like, you're, you're, I mean, that's a great solution, and we have stuff in our house that you have right now that you didn't even know you needed until you saw a commercial, right? And then you can't stop thinking about it till you get it, right? For me, this is, uh, honestly, it's a big thing like for fast food with me, where I'm like, man, I will see the commercial, and I'm like, man, like the slow motion patty dropping on the hamburger bun, the cheese. I'm like, oh man, we might have to go somewhere right now. And Rachel, my wife, is always like, it's not gonna look like that. You know it's not gonna look like that. It's not gonna taste like that. I go, yeah, but just maybe, Right, a couple of weeks ago, we are sitting watching TV. I'm like, hold up, they're putting pepperoni and cheese in the crust now? Like, get my phone, babe, what you want in the pizza? Like, we need to get it right now. And even if I don't get it right, then what happens? Again, you're probably like this, or some of you were like this with me, right? Like, it's just almost like counting down the time until you'll get it, right? You're like, okay, well, I do drive by there on my way to work. And I could grab it, and like, I could swing in and grab something on the way home from work, or I could like, I mean, a fourth meal is a thing. I worked out today like, I probably need more protein, right? Like you justify and you plan and you strategize until you get the thing. And then, I mean, it didn't taste that good, right? It, it never is that good. But here's the problem is we have these thoughts that enter our head and we try to stop thinking about them, don't we? Like, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I just need to stop. But the, the problem is the more you think about it, the more you can't stop thinking about it. Or the more you try to stop thinking about it, the more you think about it. Right? Some of you, you're aware of this like, psychology, uh, they did all these tests, like the pink elephant experiment, and you all hear about that, where psychologists told like, test subjects, hey, don't think about a pink elephant. Right? Everybody, don't think about a pink elephant right now. Do not, whatever you do, think about anything else but a pink elephant. Everyone right now, all you're thinking about is a pink elephant. Like, you, you can't help it. Right? This is actually, how they call it the ironic process theory. Where where through testing, they've learned that when you try to suppress a thought, what happens is that thought is more likely to surface and to come into your thinking. Now, this wouldn't be so bad uh, if all the thoughts that we had were harmless, right? If they were all just like fast food and Snuggies, which like, y'all laugh, but like, you have Snuggies. Like, somebody out here is buying all these Snuggies, right? I don't want you to raise your hand because you don't want to be embarrassed, but like, again, like... We have these things, and if all the thoughts were harmless, it wouldn't be the big of a problem. But the issue is they're not all harmless, are they? Like, you, you think about things, and, and you get into a lot of, like, what-if scenarios, which but that's, like, a, a, a giveaway of, like, this is probably not a great thought. Like, but you just start thinking, like, well, what if, like, what if I lose my job? Like, what if my kids get sick? And you think, I don't want to think about that, but I can't stop thinking about that now, Right? Like, what if things don't get better? What if I get close to this person and they manipulate me and hurt me like the last time? What if I can't make enough money? What if I don't meet somebody? What if we don't have kids? What, like, like all these different situations we get until we say, what if, what? Like, like, we all have situations like that. Even right now you're thinking about your what if situation. And here's the thing, though. You meet somebody and they give you great advice when you're worried about something. You say, I'm really worried about this. And what do they say? Just don't worry about it. Just stop thinking about it. And you're like, the thing that I'm thinking about right now, I need, okay, I need to stop thinking about it, but I can't stop thinking about it because I'm thinking about not thinking about it anymore. Now it's stuck in my head. I can't stop thinking about it. And then maybe you're really desperate and you come to church. right? Which church is a great place to go when you don't have a lot of answers. I mean, people come in our doors all the time. Uh, we created a place to be the safest place for any person, any kind of person imaginable. People come in all the time with their questions, with their struggles, their difficulties, and they're like, okay, fine, I'm going to go, I'm going to try the church thing, because give me one last shot, I'm just going to try it out. And we come in, and we have teachings in the Bible like this, where Paul says, don't worry about anything. And then Jesus even, Jesus is like the guy, right? Like he's like, I mean, everything is based on Jesus. And he even says, he teaches, he says, don't worry about your life. And we're kind of stuck in this position we're like well I'm not supposed to work like like Jesus said like it's kind of hard to go against Jesus right like he's like the guy But, but what I'd say is like these teachings are true but if we're really honest like they're also kind of annoying aren't they right? Like, like, yeah, even if it is true, it's, it's still annoying. I still don't like it. It's still difficult for me to think through. And this is where we create a safe place here. It's called Starting Point. Uh, Bryant mentioned it. We're going to talk about it today. It's, it's, it's a safe place for you to go and explore faith. Because for so many of us, we've, we've grown up, even if you grew up in the church, you've grown up, but your faith hasn't grown up with you. And now you have some questions. You're trying to figure out stuff like, like how do I deal with worrying when I'm told not to worry? right? And, and Starting Point is a great time. We're going to take four weeks and talk through some big ideas with faith, and you can come ask questions. We're going to do it here on Sunday morning. It's going to be great. Come next month. Join Starting Point. Because again, you have questions. You have struggles. Again, for some of us, it is, how am I supposed to kind of reconcile Jesus' teaching and do not worry and the worry that I have in my life? Now, let me just say real quick, like, worry and fear are actually, like, they can be good things, like worry and fear, is, it's your body's way of alerting yourself of a perceived danger, right? Or you're worried about a situation, you're fearful of a situation, it could be uh, something you know, like an appointment, a conversation, like worry can be a good thing. The problem is when worry, uh, the reaction, the worry, the fear gets so big and you can't control it anymore. Right? And I don't even say, uh, what we're going to talk about today with being worry and fear. I, I want to be really clear, like, that's different than like, clinical anxiety. Because right? worry and fear is, there's a-, a known thing, like you're worried about, again, a, a meeting you've got to have, a conversation you have, an appointment, whatever. Like, you're worried about something, you go, that's the thing I'm worried about, that's the thing I'm fearful of. With clinical anxiety is when that good and healthy response, alert system in your body, gets to the point where it's just firing all the time and you have no reason to be worried or fearful. A friend of mine who lives with anxiety said, "I'll just walk around the house, feeling like I should just be worried about something, but I don't know what that thing is." And let me just be like abundantly clear: when we say "don't worry" or "don't fear," what we're not saying, we are not saying, "don't have clinical anxiety." And and if I can be honest with you, like the church, I think has mishandled these teachings, and even mishandled people who really need help. And it's been the idea of like just memorize a verse and pray it away. I tell you, like, God is powerful and God can do all kinds of things. Um, but I don't see that theology in scripture a whole lot of just pray it away on a number of topics. So even for us to really be able to understand this, we have to think about, okay, not the clinical anxiety, and we I mean, we're all about like you get into some you know, license mental health counseling, if medication is prescribed, like you should do that. So like, like that is a whole separate thing what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about worries, and fears, things that we know about and we're holding on to. And again, this is powerful because not all thoughts are created equal. And worry is one of those thoughts that if we could begin to control, we could begin to understand and, and kind of move through and process, I mean, it really could have massive impacts on your life. Because you're thinking it is powerful, but you can control it. And I talked about this last week, either we control our thinking or our thinking is going to control us. So even as it relates to worry, we can control our thinking. We can do something. And so this is, this is a passage I think we need to understand and look at it in a different way um, because I think it's been mishandled so much. So, so this is what Paul says. He wrote uh, to some believers. Uh, he's talking to the church, and he's going through all these different topics, and he gets to this por- part in, in the passage, and he tells them, don't worry about anything, which, again, is like, thanks, Paul. Like, I wish I would have known that when I was 14, would have saved me a lot of time. No, the reality is like, if I could, then I would. But I'm not sure I can. And, and Paul goes on, and says this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Now for some of you, you're like, yeah, I, that's exactly what I expect a pastor to say. Right, like don't be worried about anything, just pray. But I think we have to step back and look at how we view prayer. And what we think about prayer, because for most of us, myself included, a lot of our prayers are just like the recited, rehearsed, memorized prayers, right? Like you're about to eat dinner, y'all, everyone sits down at the table, and then it's so when my kids, like we, it's hard, like and just like real life for me, I'm like, I want to like pray with my kids a lot, but I also don't want it to be so like, like a formula, a structure, so like some meals, like who, who's going to pray? Like we're just not going to pray for dinner, okay? Just eat your food. Uh, then I'm like, who wants to pray? Nobody wants to pray. It's always dad. Well, my wife will pray too, but like, it's always like, well, Dad, we want you to pray. Like, okay. We sit down, we pray for dinner, right? Dear Lord, thank you for this food. Help us be good to our body. In Jesus' name, amen. Doesn't matter about the food. Doesn't matter about you being good to your body, but Jesus surely is gonna make the food good to your body, right? Or, or it's like, you're on a trip. Oh, hey, we just gotta pray over this trip. Hey, we're gonna pray. We're going to camp. We're doing whatever. Jesus, help this vacation be restful. Like, Okay, or, or my favorite is like with your kids at bedtime, right? Y'all pray with your kids and like the recited, rehearsed prayer of now I lay me, down to sleep like, Think about it. Just not, not just like the Metallica song but think about like, the actual like now I lay me down to sleep but this makes no sense I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake like really like, hey kids just in case you don't wake up <laughs> you probably want to make sure you and God are good right but, like, like how many is, most of our prayers are rehearsed they're memorized even maybe that was like the religious, religious system you grew up in which is rehearsed and memorized, and that's not what Paul's talking about here. See, Paul says, don't be worrying about things, don't be fearful of things, but everything. What you have to do is focus on prayer. Instead of worrying, instead of living over here, you need to focus on prayer. Now, when I say, when I think about prayer, when you see prayer in the scriptures, it's not these rehearsed, memorized prayers, they're actually raw and, and real and honest. Right? Like it's, it's slowing down and processing how you feel and being honest about how you feel, being in the moment, feeling all the things, embracing all the things. See, this is an idea even outside of Scripture that, that has been researched and is really beneficial. Um, outside of the Scripture, they call this mindfulness. Right? This isn't just like a, a Christian or religious idea. This is a big idea. Like psychology has been tracking this for like for decades. we have been tracking this and, and studying this and seeing that people who practice mindfulness on a regular basis have lower uh, levels of stress and anxiety and panic. And mindfulness simply is that you are reflecting and being in the moment with yourself. All right, this is like meditation. You know, like journaling is really important, but slowing down and being in the moment, feeling all the things feeling the anger, exploring thoughts in a deeper level, journaling, or not. it's so funny. Like you can think something, and some of you have done this, you can think something, but it, it's a lot more real when you actually write it down, and then it's a lot more real when you have to say it out loud, even to yourself. And there's something about being honest and open in the moment, and this is where I say prayer is different than mindfulness. Okay, mindfulness will be beneficial. Right? Everybody, even if you don't follow Jesus, you should practice mindfulness because, uh, again, like, so many psychologists are looking at saying, this is really, this is good for you, right? That's why, like, you find all sorts of apps on helping you do this, all these things. But what I'd say is, as a Jesus follower, we don't want to simply practice mindfulness. We want to be able to practice prayer. And prayer is you reflecting and being in the moment with God. Again, you slow down enough to feel all the feelings, to embrace what's happened, maybe it's a traumatic thing, maybe it's a situation right now, and to talk to God and reflect in the moment and sit there for a minute, and this is the problem, we don't really like sitting in the moment, do we? Like, we would just want to go, 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 be distracted, be distracted, be distracted, instead of really slowing down and saying, okay, well, how do I feel about this, and why do I feel this way about that? And Jesus even took it one step further, where Jesus, uh, he's teaching his followers how to pray, his best friends, like, Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? Because you view things so different than all these religious teachers, and we have all this religious teaching, and you're different, and your way is better. So help us, like, how can we do things like you? And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And, And he's not giving them a memorized prayer. He's saying, these are the kinds of things you should pray for. But he starts all of it by saying, our Father in heaven. See, Jesus put a relational component to prayer for us. But again, the, the, the problem is, and even where we can see that, like Paul is writing, don't be anxious, but pray about everything. It seems so insufficient because we're like, well, but my prayers don't really work. My prayers aren't really that helpful. Again, because my prayers are a lot of like just-in-case prayers. And even for some of them, you don't even follow Jesus. You're not even sure about all this religious stuff, but, but you said just-in-case prayers. Like the the times where someone's sick, and you're just like, God, I don't even know if you're there. But God, if you're there, can you do this thing? You're in a relationship and things are going sideways, and you're like, man, this is not how I envision things to be. And God, if you're there, just in case. I think this is the, the issue, though, is There's so many of us. We have prayers like that and we hope and we expect God to do something. And what happens if God doesn't? And we get angry at God. And most of the time we get angry at God. It's not even about our stuff, it's about their stuff, right? Like, God, I I know I'm messed up. God, I know I'm broken. I know we live in a broken world. Like, I get it. I kind of deserve this in a way. Maybe even you would reason. But, like, God, them? Like, they're a kid. Here's the reality, even in that moment where there's anger towards God, there's frustration towards God, I still think it's beneficial to go and reflect in that moment with God and to be honest about it. See, because I believe that, that God is big enough to be able to handle my frustrations and my anger and my disappointments. And I would love to be able to give you an answer on why God didn't do the thing you wanted him to do. I have some of those questions too. And it'd be really easy to just put a blanket answer on it and just band-aid it and just just feel better about it. But the reality is like, like, we have some hurts. We have some struggles. We have some pain that we can still bring to God. Because I would rather, and I believe this is true of God too, he would rather you be angry about him than be indifferent towards him. I think sometimes we feel like it's off limits to be upset with God for a number of reasons. But again, you look at the the people in the scriptures who had the closest relationship with God. It was not all unicorns and rainbows forever for them. It was difficult. It was painful. And you see these questions and these prayers in the scripture. Again, they're raw. We're like, God, where are you? Like God, you promise these things that I'm doing everything right, and then all these people over here doing it, follow you. They're doing better than me. God, like what gives? You see people praying prayers like, God, I know you promised me heaven, but this feels like hell. And that makes us really uncomfortable, right? Because I, I don't think it makes God uncomfortable. Because He knows. And he wants to work with you in that. He wants to sit with you in that. That's the kind of prayer that Paul's talking about. Don't be worried about things. Don't worry about things. Don't be fearful. things, But pray. And when you pray, thank God for things that have already happened. See, in order for you to have your prayers that are helpful, they have to be honest. You have to be able to go honestly before God and just lay it all out there. And when you can do that, I really think you can begin to wrestle with some of that stuff. And this is what I'd say. As you know, as again, Paul says, don't do something. Don't be worried. Instead, pray. He's saying, you got to switch it off. But here's the deal. It's not like a, a switch that you just flip, where I'm not anxious anymore. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful. I'm just going to switch that to being praying and thankful. But like, it? it's not a switch. It's more of a dial that you turn down. So as you're going through life, as you're slowing down, as you're being in the moment, you are trying to embrace and talk to God in the moment, embrace all the feelings, and you're turning down the dial of fear, of worry about a number of situations. And you're able to turn the dial towards thankfulness and towards understanding, and maybe not even understanding, but just processing, which can be different. You begin to turn the dials and change the dials, and when you do that, you get to make an exchange. When you can slow down and be mindful in the moment and feel all the things you get in exchange, this, Paul goes on and says, when you do that, then you're going to experience God's peace. Then you're going to get the thing that you, you really need. God's peace and exceeds anything we understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I think the, the big thing is when we slow down and we process and we sit in the moment for a minute, we begin to see the size of the thing that we're worried about in proper perspective. Right, like there's all sorts of things that, that we are worried about and, and some of them are big things. Some of them not so big. The problem is that for a lot of us we get big reactions at things that are not so big. And we can slow down and process it. We can go, man, I can really see what this is about. And and you know, I love that Peter uses this word that, that God's peace is gonna guard our minds. It's going to guard our thing. And in, in that word, if you kind of dig down a little bit in that word, um, which I don't, we like never like show the Greek words up here because like, I mean, y'all don't speak Greek. I, I, honestly, I think those, those words, is like, it's like good underwear. Like it should give you support, but no one needs to see it, right? <laughs> this word, this word guard, it's actually referring to like a garrison, like like a multitude of soldiers guarding, your, like the reality is what you need to change your thinking to, to be able to think different things, to focus on good things and not on the bad things is you need an army of thoughts to come and help you. But again, it's not just enough to try to stop thinking about things. Remember the pink elephant? You can't just force yourself to suppress a thought. You have to replace it. But before we can replace thoughts, we have to recognize thoughts. And that's the thing, if there was was one thing I hope you remember from today, it's like one big thing is is to replace your thoughts, you have to recognize your thoughts. For some of us, we're trying to move forward in life in a situation. We're trying to do something. We're trying to have progress in our lives, but we've never actually felt what's back there. We've never actually gone and, and, and relived some of those painful things. We've never actually thought, why do I think this way about this situation in order for you to replace your thoughts, for you to move forward, is going to require for you to take a step back and recognize, like, why do I think this? Why do I feel this? Why am I fearful and For some of you, you probably have some really good reasons. But you need to process that. So then Paul goes on and he says, okay, so... You're not going to worry about things. You're going to pray about things. You're going to focus on what is, not just what if, right? What if, I mean, I can make all sorts of realities based on what if. Things I'm fearful of, all those things. But focus on what is. And he says, these are things you should focus on. One final thing, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I so Even if you're not a Jesus follower, like, that's a pretty good list of things to think about, isn't it? Like, we all want to think about things like that. He's saying, replace your thinking with these things. It takes some work. It takes some time. And the number one thing on this list is truth. Like, focus on what is true. Again, he even says, pray about things that you're thankful for. Look at what God has done not even what God will do. It seems I have already happened. These are in reality. Because what happens when I'm fearful, when I'm worried, again, I can create all kinds of realities. When I focus on the truth, that gives me something concrete to focus on. Now, this is something, uh, some area I need to do this, which, again, so this is like a small, stupid thing. And you probably don't even worry about this. You're like, that's so dumb and small. But for me, I had to do this. I had to practice some mindfulness. I need, like, Actually, it's embarrassing. I talked to my counselor about this too. Um, is like like dancing at weddings, right? I listen, mean, like some of you all laughing. I see. Like some of you, like you are not fearful of dancing. You love. Hey, where, where are the dancing people at? anybody anybody love dancing at weddings? Okay, good. You, okay, I you have to like if you're like dancing, you need to like wave your arm. If you're just like, yeah, I like dancing, like bro, this is church. Don't lie in church. I don't like dancing in church, right? I, I grew up like we didn't dance in growing up, like anything. I was like, I don't know. So so I would like, I just don't want to dance in like any situation. And if you see me dancing, it's because i am probably hang out with my buddies like Jim or Jack for a while on the side watching. And then y'all got that? Yeah, it's okay. Some of y'all are like, Pastor drinks? What? Hey, just put it first Jesus' first miracle was bring alcohol to a party. Just saying. But so I like don't want to dance. I'm not dancing. My wife likes to dance. And she's like, come dance with me. I'm like, no, give me a little more time. I'll be okay. Uh, but we had this wedding coming up uh, back in April. And I thought, you know, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance at this wedding. We're gonna, like, but what I had to do, and, and again, for some of you, you like, this is so small and stupid. I totally get it because you're like, why would you not like dancing? Because I thought all these what if scenarios, like what if everybody watches me? Like what if I mess up, what if I turn the wrong way? On the cha-cha slide, right? Like, like what? Like what if I get thrust to the middle and every spotlight comes out and everyone's like, Justin, Justin? I'm like, I don't, I have nothing. Like, I can't do it. Like, like what if I? Like all these, all these scenarios go through my mind, right? And for some of you, like if you're not a dancing person, you're like, yeah, I totally get that. And it's funny. I actually had to like again, it's embarrassing. I talked to my counselor about that because here's the deal. I knew, I knew this wasn't a massive thing in my life, but I knew it probably had roots to some other things that were bigger. I probably need to talk to him about it. So I talked to my counselor, Mike, and he's like, well, what do you think? Like, why do you think? I was like, well, all these other situations. He's like, what, but is, like, is that true, really? Like, is, like, are people all watching you dance? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> are you going to get thrown in the middle? Like, no, like what's the worst-case scenario? Like, Someone's like, you have a good time with your wife? Like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's true. I get, I get it. So then what I had to do is we had this wedding coming up in April. I had to literally, like, think about this and prepare my mind and, and literally rewire, retrace my thinking on that topic. So I think I'm gonna dance at this wedding, it's gonna be fun, no one's gonna be watching me. I'm gonna dance at this wedding, it's gonna be fun, no one's gonna be watching me. I'm gonna dance at this wedding, it's gonna be fun, no one's gonna be watching me. And even we get up there it's like everybody come on the dance floor. I'm like, all right, this is the moment of truth. And I go out there and I'm like dancing. I was horrible, right? Hopefully nobody was watching. I don't think anyone was watching. But I'm just like, but I'm out there with my wife. And for me, that one moment Represented months of trying to reconfigure my thinking about that topic. And it took so much practice about something so small and insignificant as dancing. But what I know about you is you join me in this that we have some really big things in our life. We got some big, scary things going on. You got the big what if scenario. You know, for us and our family right now, we have a family member that we're just trying to figure out stuff. Like, medically, there's something just not right, and we don't know what it is. And, like, thankfully, doctors have, like, ruled out a bunch of, like, big stuff, but it's still, like, like how come you don't have any answers, right? Like, then they're getting blood work, and they're going to see specialists after another specialist and appointments. And, like, like, it's pretty scary for us. And I have to rewire, reconfigure my brain in that area, too. For some of you, it's an income thing, it's a job thing, it's a relationship thing. And this is what I think is so, so crazy, is, is Paul is talking about changing our thinking, right? Like, stop, stop worrying, pray about stuff, be present in the moment, and then replace it with these thoughts. And this is where I, I love how, like, the scriptures and the teachings of God really intersect with so much science. Like, they're not in conflict with each other. Um, But, like, psychology backs up so much of what Paul's talking about here. Like, mindfulness, again, like, for decades, psychologists have been uh, looking at and studying, like, mindfulness-based stress reduction. And they're seeing, like, these benefits of slowing down, being in the present, in the moment, feeling things. Even the idea of rewiring your thinking. Like, literally, your brain works to be as efficient as possible, Right? And I was fearful of dancing. So whenever I got in a situation that was, I was, had to dance or had the option to dance, I'd be fearful because my brain literally wired those two connections together. It says dancing's bad, dancing's something to be afraid of. Right? Like, you may even heard the term like cells that fire together, wire together. Right? Like, your brain wants to work as easy as possible and that's why when you have your spouse act a certain way, you react without even thinking about it. So when you get in line you pull your phone out and you go to whatever. You don't even think about it because you have these habits, these patterns, these these examples, these experiences in your life that you just naturally react to. And here's the reality. All of us have those in our brains. And what Paul is saying in this passage is you can replace those. But in order to replace your thoughts, you have to recognize your thoughts. You have to slow down and go back and say, why do I think this? Why am I this way? Like, what's the thought behind the thought? It, it, it might sound crazy, but again, like, we can control our thinking, or our thinking's gonna control us. So, so would you rather live a life that's controlled by your worries and your fears, and when you're, you're all over the place, and you're living in all these alternate realities, or you wanna focus on what's true, and something that's concrete, something you can go back to? You you apply this to relationships, to work situations. Take a step back and and slow down, be in the moment, feel what you feel. And part of the problem for so many of us is we've kind of gotten to a place where we don't really feel a whole lot. Maybe you were told to suppress it, maybe you were told to just just don't worry about it, whatever, maybe you're like, man, I just, I'm not at the place where I'm really doing that anymore. Slow down, be the moment. this is like came to me a couple of weeks ago we're at this conference and um, we're talking about all the different stuff and they're playing this music and they're doing all the things and, and they said, they said, I'm not like an overly emotional person but like music gets me like worship music gets me like every time. I don't know why. Actually I do know why. We'll talk about that another time. But As I'm thinking about this and they're talking about the weights that you're carrying and I'm realizing this I told you all like, this family member this situation I realize like this is a massive weight I'm carrying right now. And the reality is when I'm carrying something that is too big for me, eventually it's gonna crush me. And it's gonna crush the people around me, and it's gonna crush the things around me. And some of you have been there where you have something you're worried about, something you're fearful of, and you're holding on to it, and it's too big for you, and it has crushed things around you, even unintentionally. Like there's relationships. There's situations, things that you were said that, that you said to them or they said to you, like there's things that crushed because you're carrying something you were not designed to carry. Again, fear and worry can be a good healthy reaction. But for so many of us, like it's not a good, healthy reaction. It's unhealthy. It's a point where we can't control it. And we get stuck down all these rabbit holes of what if and what if and what if, and, what if, and we're living so far from reality. God knows about those things and actually God comes to us with those things. Peter one of Jesus' best friends he saw Jesus do all the kinds of things and this is, this is what I love about Peter is he messed up so much but what you see time and time again is that God that Jesus went all the way to Peter every time to make things better. You don't ever see Jesus like well when you feel bad enough you can come in and it will be Okay. When you could admit what you did, then we'll be okay. No, he always went all the way to Peter and he always went and reminded Peter, Peter, I love you, I know who you are. I love you, I know who you are. And Peter wrote this to the early churches. They're going through struggles and they're going through difficulties. He wrote this verse, which again, if we, we just breeze by it, we lose all the power. But he says, guys, you gotta cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Like simply, like, like things that you're worried about, cat, like give them to Jesus. And Peter is thinking of time and time again the things that I was anxious about, the things that I was working, the things I was worried about, all the situation, like, like they're too much for me. I remember Jesus repeatedly coming all the way in my direction, showing me love and grace, even though I didn't deserve it, even though I, like, man, I just messed up so bad. Jesus always coming to me, and I gave it to Jesus because He cares for me. some of us stop bringing our cares, our worries to Jesus because we have a version of Jesus in our minds that he does not care for us. That he just has this impossible standard that we can't ever measure up to. And, and this is reality. Like he has a standard we can't measure up to, but he came 100% of the way to us because he loves us. And, and why in the world would Jesus come all the way to literally sacrifice his life for us if he doesn't care for us? And why do I have to carry around the worries that I have now when Jesus said, give them to me? This word uh, for cares, when he says, cast your cares on Jesus, that word and the the root of that word, it's, it's being divided, it's being split apart, it's being broken off. And isn't that the reality when you are worried about things, when you're fearful of things, you have your attention, your focus, your heart, your mind broken off in so many directions. I think Jesus wants us to be able to come and be with him and to be whole and be unified even in the midst of something that we're fearful of even in the midst of a a big worry we can still go back to God and God I'm not going to get stuck in the what if of life I'm going to focus on what is and even if I don't feel it right now even I I don't even believe that right now I'm going to do some work and discipline myself to focus on that this is Again, you look at psychology talks about mindfulness, right? Like, like even doctors and neuroscientists, they they write and they, it's so it's so funny. They they talk about how practicing mindfulness will have short term and long term benefits, but it has long term benefits. Like, there's more benefits if you can practice it more often. And they say you can practice at least like three times a week again, it's, it's so funny because you look through scriptures and, and pretty regularly it talks about in the morning I come and I put myself before the Lord. Like every day I'm, I'm constantly, like if I'm up or I'm down, like, like constantly going and bringing your things before God and this is what I would encourage you to do. Like doesn't matter if you follow Jesus, doesn't matter if you're brand new to this, doesn't, like what I would encourage you is, would you, it sounds so funny like don't pass on this, right? But would you set an alarm in your phone? Like set an alarm in your phone, you can even do it right now, couple of times this week, just to practice mindfulness. Practice being in the moment. If you don't follow Jesus and you want to do it like a meditation thing, go for it. It's still going to benefit you. But if you are a Jesus follower, I mean, even if you're not a Jesus follower, I say, don't just be in the moment with yourself. Be in the moment with God. And talk to him. And ask questions. Even if the questions are, God, I have no idea why would you ever allow this to happen? Because I really believe that like Peter was telling the truth when he says that God cares for you. So we need to spend some time giving him our cares. You know, we wanna move forward in life. We wanna replace our thinking. In order to do that, we really have to recognize our thoughts and feel all those things openly before God. I really believe God will meet you there. I believe you could have something for you to work through and, and your life could be significantly different because you slowed down to spend time with him. All over the place. Would y'all stand to your feet? Um, I want to end praying for us, and I want to ask you to do something because again, I think um, physical things are, are powerful because it helps us just like kind of um, really have clarity. Would you would you put your hands, your palms out like this, um, all over? And this is this for you. I don't know what it is, and maybe you don't have anything right now in your mind. But I think a lot of us, man, we have something in our mind. We're like, this is the worry, this is the thing, like this is the the fear I have. Like, would you just in your mind? Just hold that out to God. I want to pray for us. God, thank you for God, caring for us. God, I think about the, the people in this room and God, there's so many things that we could be worried about. God, I think about relationships. I think about adult children that, God, they're making some choices that their parents love them so much, but they just know that that decision is going to have some impact on them. God, I think about um, God, the worries of, of health concerns for people about trying to figure things out. God, I think about people in, in life right now wondering, what if everyone finds out about me? God, what if I don't meet somebody or what if we can't get pregnant? or what, like, God, there's so many worries that we have and we want to hold this up to you, believing that you care for us. God, I ask that you would give us your peace, and God, that you would give us the wisdom to spend time with you, that you would put an army around our hearts and our minds, God, where we can think about the truth and what is. Thank you for being so good to us. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways?